Welcome to News Today. I am Amir Sinya Thompson. In the next hour, more than 30% increase in persons killed due to road traffic accidents in July 2023 compared to the same period last year. We have details from latest figures from the National Road Safety Authority. Also, death toll from the northeast floods climbs to eight with more floods expected as the Bagri Dam is opened. We have details. A Niger coup leader, General Chiani, promises to hand over power in three years. Household will tell you, plus how South African President Sir Ramaphosa intends to work with the AE to restore constitutional order in countries experiencing coup. Details of these and more, plus business in this hour. Stay tuned. Let's take you live now to the Bank of Ghana head office where the Governor Ernest Addison is addressing a news conference on reported losses the bank has incurred. Who's the financing gap? It is important to state that a significant part of the annual borrowing was just to meet debt service and energy payment obligations, given that Ghana's annual external debt service payments and energy payments alone had risen to the range of three to four billion dollars annually as at 2020. Losing access to the international capital market for new financing immediately triggered a liquidity crisis for government, spilling over into a balance of payments crisis as the country had to continue to honor its debt service obligations, energy payments, and import bill. In keeping up, with these critical external payments. The Bank of Ghana lost $500 million in external reserves in just two months, with no new inflows of foreign currency from the usual annual Eurobond issuance to replenish its reserves. Furthermore, to help address government's liquidity crisis, the bank extended additional overdraft to the government to address auction failures and prevent domestic default and enabled government to meet domestic debt obligations and other critical payments needed to avoid a disorderly halt to economic activity. Throughout the first half of 2022, there was no new foreign financing until July when the Afri-Exim Bank stepped in to support with 750 million US dollars. This is a typical replay of what is referred to in the literature as a first-generation macroeconomic and balance of payments crisis. You would recall that many people doubted if the economy was in crisis because they did not hear that interest rates on bonds were not being paid in early 2022. They did not see queues at the pump for petrol and diesel. There were no shortages of international essential items on the market, and they did not hear that public sector workers, including civil servants, the police and the military, were not being paid their salaries. The reason was that the Bank of Ghana had provided the needed support 
to keep the economy going. These are the circumstances that led government to approach the IMF for support in July 2022. The IMF immediately sent in a mission to assess the economic situation. The mission concluded that the economy was a tipping point and it was agreed with the understanding of the IMF that the Bank of Ghana should continue to provide the necessary support to keep the economy running until the reform program had been put in place, which will trigger IMF financing. The portrait painted above of the Ghanaian economy in 2022 was similar to what pertained in many other frontier and emerging market economies. Key among countries with similar experiences were Egypt, Argentina, Turkey, Kenya, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka, just to mention a few. What separated these countries and their ability to hold their economies until a package of reforms were introduced was the availability of policy buffers and resilience of key policy institutions. We all know what happened in Sri Lanka. The Bank of Ghana was able to step in with the support to the economy until the IMF program was concluded because of policy buffers built following years of prudent management. This is a reflection of the resilience of the bank for being able to rise up to the occasion to play a statutory role as lender of last resort. Economic history also teaches us that crises are part of the business cycle and the accumulation of policy buffers is the only way to guarantee space to deal with such crises. And this is clearly that the role that the bank played with distinction. Now, let me shift my remarks to the corrective measures that were put into place in 2022 to manage the crisis. In particular, the major policy effort designed to put Ghana's debt on a sustainable path. These corrections, or these corrective actions, included the Domestic Debt Exchange Program, where the stock of Government of Ghana public sector debt was to be halved from 105% of GDP to 55% of GDP by 2028. The holders of government debt had their instruments exchanged for new ones with lower coupon payments and longer tenors. Despite the resulting losses incurred by households, banks, and other financial institutions, the threshold of 55% of GDP was not met. As part of the solution, the Minister of Finance wrote to the bank with a proposed treatment of a 50% haircut on Bank of Ghana's holdings of government's non-marketable debt. Naturally, the bank was concerned and fully aware of the implications of such a treatment on the books of the bank. We held several discussions with the Ministry of Finance, the government advisers on the debt exchange, that is Lazard, and the IMF on this treatment. At the request of the bank, the IMF sent a technical mission of central bank balance sheet experts to assist the Bank of Ghana to assess how the debt treatment would impact the bank's financial position and its ability to carry out its statutory mandate. The conclusion of that technical assistant mission was that the Bank of Ghana should be able to function effectively, that is, remain policy solvent, 
even after the imposition of such a haircut. The IMF placed a high premium on this particular debt scenario involving that Bank of Ghana, as that was the only scenario that was going to allow the government to meet the debt threshold that would allow Ghana's IMF program to proceed for board approval. The Bank of Ghana accepted this proposal on that basis, given how crucial it was to secure the fund-supported program and the benefits that would inure to the economy, as it would help to reset the economy and prevent a total collapse with much broader socioeconomic implications. A Bank of Ghana board meeting was therefore arranged to get the board pass a resolution to this effect. The bank acted in good faith for the broader interest of Ghana's economy. The debt included all the legacy debts of government of Ghana dating back to 1992, including the overdraft to 2022, overdraft to Cocoa Board, the COVID-19 bond, and even Bank of Ghana holdings of Telecom Malaysia bonds and the Tema Oil refinery bonds issued by government. As of 2015, the accumulated claims on government and Cocoa Board were about 13 billion Ghana CDs. The debt, therefore, is not about recent debt alone. Almost all lending from the IMF, including the external credit facility and rapid credit facility during the COVID-19 pandemic, and financial sector resolution bonds have been presented in the recent discourse as Bank of Ghana lending to government. This is not factual. It is important to state that losses reported were technical losses arising from the haircut and the application of accounting standards, in particular IFRS 9, to estimate expected credit losses over the tenor of the government debt held by Bank of Ghana. It is not money lost by the Bank of Ghana through its operations in 2022. Rather, one should look at this as a reflection of the total cost of the economic and social crisis that the country has faced over the years in an attempt to resolve a major structural problem of the Ghanaian economy. I must also add that if one takes time to go through the historical financial statements of the Bank of Ghana, you will realize that this is not the first time that the bank has gone into negative equity. During the early years of the structural adjustment, very large exchange rate depreciations led to revaluation losses that drove the bank into negative equity. Indeed, any time the economy faces major challenges, the Bank of Ghana's balance sheet suffers and the equity position moves into negative territories. You will recall that in 2017, in 2018, the bank incurred similar negative equity from the impairment of legacy liquidity support loans granted in 2015 and 2016 to insolvent banks, which the external auditors impaired due to the doubtful prospects of recovering from those insolvent banks. The bank, however, recovered and generated profits throughout the period 2019 to 2021. It is worth noting that central banks are not commercial banks. Bank of Ghana's current financial condition would not negatively impact on the operations of the bank. 
the IMF Technical Assistance Mission validated this conclusion before the necessary decisions were taken. In their opinion, the Bank of Ghana was policy solvent and will remain so as it, it had enough income to cover monetary policy operational costs. The Bank of Ghana had sufficient capital amounting to about 15% of its total liabilities. Its recommendation was for the bank to retain all future profits and a reassessment should be made in the year 2027. The bank will also manage to reduce its operational costs during this period. Ladies and gentlemen, in all these, the Bank of Ghana has acted within the applicable laws. It is not true that the Bank of Ghana has been providing financing for government every year. There has been zero financing in 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2021. The Bank of Ghana has only had to support in the pandemic year of 2020 and the crisis year of 2022. The Bank of Ghana Act, as amended, limits financing of the government to 5% of the previous year's tax revenue. This provision in the law has been adhered to since I took office in April 2017. Between 2017 and 2019, in addition to the requirements of the Act, the Bank signed a Memorandum of Understanding with the Ministry of Finance to even impose a tighter restriction of zero central bank financing. And this was observed strictly, even though the MOUs were not legally binding. Between 2012 and 2015, the Bank provided overdraft to finance government and cocoa board every year and there was neither a pandemic or a global economic crisis when ghana was hit with the covid 19 in 2020 section 36 of the bank of ghana act as amended was triggered and as indicated earlier the bank purchased the 10 billion cities worth of the covid 19 bonds to support the economy through the pandemic this was done within the applicable laws governing the Bank of Ghana. When Section 36 of the Act as amended is triggered, it allows the Governor, the Minister of Finance, and the Controller and Accountant General to agree on a new limit of central bank financing. The law further says that the Minister of Finance will then have to inform Parliament, and the Minister has since informed Parliament as part of his briefing to update Parliament on the IMF program and the status of the domestic debt exchange. Let me also seize this opportunity to talk about an issue that has come up lately in the media and one which borders on our new head office building. While discussions on the national security issue, like the central bank building, is a sensitive one, I will provide you with a brief history of how this has evolved over the years. The Bank of Ghana, as far back as the 1990s, began the search for a suitable and secured land for a head office. In 2012, the bank was allocated an unnumbered 5.19-acre land at Accra Central by the Lands Commission, which also had issues. The bank did not have access to the land since the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and regional integration refused to give the bank 
vacant possession on the grounds that they had never agreed to give up ownership of the land. The bank continued to search for suitable land for its head office throughout the period from 2013 to 2016. More recently, in 2018, the bank approached the State Insurance Corporation to acquire its vacant land at Ridge, near the Ridge Hospital. The government issued an executive instrument to allow the Bank of Ghana acquire that land, and SIC was duly compensated. The bank then began to plan the building of its new head office, taking into consideration the need to ensure that the building meets all the requirements of a modern central bank of international standards, similar to central bank head office buildings in Abuja and Dakar, and includes provision for data centers, currency processes, processing centers, vaults, and other sensitive installations. It is not just a simple, ordinary building. Let me re-emphasize that the bank followed all the necessary public procurement processes in this endeavor. No procurement laws were broken. I have requested... Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. It just says that cases reported in January to July 2023, which is the yellow um, color you're seeing on your screen, is 8,137. In 2022, within that same period, it was much higher, which is 8,869. Vehicles involved were 13,862. And in 2022, were slightly higher, over 2,000 higher, by 15,239. Persons killed in January to July 2023 in the same period as 1,272 and 1,443 in January to July 2022. Persons injured 9,135 in 2023 and 9,228 in 2022. Were much less in uh, January 2023, that is 1,418 and 1,580 in 2022. On your screen now is percentage change in the crashes in January to July, comparing July 2022 to July 2023. And we have minus 8.25% as cases reported 
and then vehicles involved when you're comparing these two you have minus 9.04 percent which is the difference between both periods persons killed you have a difference of minus 11.85 percent persons injured minus 1.01 percent and pedestrian knockdowns of minus 10.25 percent And then, then we go to the road crashes and casualty between January and uh, July 2023. Cases reported 1,223 in July 2023 and 1,182 in July 2022. 186 this year in July this year and then 143 in July last year. Persons injured slightly higher 1,328 persons injured in July this year and 1,221 slightly lower in July last year which is 2022 and pedestrian knockdowns you see on your screen. Meanwhile, the National Road Safety Authority says some of the interventions rolled out are working. He commended Joe News for the Drive Safe campaign. David Osafwa-Donting is Acting Director General of the National Road Safety Authority. The little motivation is that comparing this year's figures to last year, uh, we, we've seen some reductions in, in, in some of the indicators. Uh, marginal as some of them may look though, but it, it is very refreshing to know that something positive is being done by way of interventions to have come and reflecting positively also on, on the figures. Indeed, the performance of every country's road safety management is to see figures going down. The crashes, the injuries and the deaths, and those are the indicators that suggest that uh, some intervention is is, 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 is is receiving or reflecting positively on the roads. Yeah. So that is quite, quite motivating. But indeed, uh, we wish that we have a far a lower figures so we can see some more reductions by now. But the level of intervention that we are rolling out, the National Road Safety Authority itself as a lead agency, by way of the Drive Safe campaign that you your media championed, and then the Stay Alive campaign that we also champion together um, have gone deeper into the, the, the structure of road city management in this country to the extent that uh, campaign, education, publicity, advocacy, uh, um, it's something that we can all say that we have made some relevant achievement, very significant. Yeah. Now, you don't get figures coming down for the sake of it. Okay. It is always contingent on a certain practical work you are doing on the ground. And that is how our figures come down. Because we have factors that are always fighting against us. The vehicle population is growing every day. Human population is growing every day. Indiscipline on our roads. And as you are aware, some more functioning of certain road facilities. These are all critical factors that give impetus for uh, risk, people to take risk, and, and for that matter, result in the deaths.
And still on our drive safe campaign, dysfunctional tra traffic and streetlights are becoming a common phenomenon in Greater Kumasi. A number of road traffic accidents have occurred at some intersections as a result of the malfunctioning traffic lights coupled with some dysfunctional streetlights. Commuters have lamented delays on fixing these streetlights and traffic lights. Nana Bwachi Dankwa Yadam interacted with some commuters at Amakum in Kumasi. In several communities, dysfunctional traffic lights and street lights have led to traffic congestion, wrong vehicle and pedestrian directions, motorist conflicts and prolonged travel times. The poor illumination at night and safety at road intersections have become a worry to motorists and commuters. And this traffic light always, sometimes it goes on, sometimes it goes off. And even yesterday, as one of my brother was saying, there was a, a accident here with a VIP and a motorbike. And this traffic light is the inner city traffic light from Kumasi to Ajiso and Accra. And you can see behind you, you have seen that those from Accra to Kumasi, they just stop here and watch those from Kumasi to Accra to come before they to the move because of the traffic light. And I don't know who is responsible for the traffic light to I mean, maintain or to repair when it goes off any time. Is it the road minister or is it any other institution who is supposed to do the traffic light at all times? In Kumasi here, I can tell you and I can show you that those living in Kumasi, we don't have traffic light. And it's true. This is a highway traffic light and it's off. So those from the left and those from the right, who's supposed to pass and who's supposed to wait? And even the traffic light behind the army, uh, the street light behind the traffic light, you can see it's not working. Some is not working. So, and this is the dark spot. And here, armed robbers came around to rob us. If you are holding your back like this, with the way they thought we have some mobile phone or laptop because we are all students living in this area. So we are pleading with the authorities to come on board. They should do it on time. Hey, traffic here, there be a problem. Like traffic here, we really do have a problem with our traffic lights over here. Sometimes when the drivers use the stretch, they do get confused. There be an accident. City authorities really do use the stretch, so I am really surprised as to why we have some dysfunctional traffic lights coupled with dysfunctional street lights. We really do record some accidents over here. I am quite surprised as to why we have a dysfunctional traffic light on such a huge stretch. The assembly member thought of working on these dysfunctional traffic lights. We got some MTTD officers to be stationed over here, but they could not do the job. For we living uh, here in Amokom, we are living a death trap concerning this stretch. If you look at the dysfunction of this traffic light, it's causing a lot of accident over here. Just recently, I think yesterday, yeah, there was a huge accident over here. That was VIP bus and a certain motorbike due to this dysfunction of this traffic light and it's very disheartening and embarrassment. So we are calling on the authorities to come into our aid. Kumasi, we are very worried about this situation. Look at the children's park just opened here. And that place is called a headquarters of armed robbers because of uh, the abandonment of the street lights we don't have over there. Reporting for Joy News, Nana Bwachidankwa Yadom, Kumasi. 
Now, deaths from the northeast regional floods have risen to eight as two more bodies were found after a building collapsed on them in the Yonyo Nonsuyano district. Now, the incident occurred on Friday and the bodies have since been retrieved and buried. Meanwhile, authorities in Burkina Faso have begun the spillage of the Bagri Dam, which is expected to cause more flooding and potentially worsen the situation. Speaking to Joe News, the regional minister, Yidana Zakaria, has called on residents leaving and farming along the spillways to evacuate to safer grounds and stay alert. Correspondent Ilyas Otanko reports. Regional authorities are still taking stock of the damages as a result of torrential rainfall in the region. Eight people are now confirmed to have lost their lives and three more injured and receiving treatment. According to the Disaster Management Organization, the eight died through building collapse and drowning in the east and west Mampresi municipality and the Yunyodanswane district. The flooding has grounded transportation to certain parts of the region as road bridges have been washed away. Education and healthcare services have also been suspended in some of the affected areas, with several farmlands and houses destroyed, and many residents are still stranded yes, in their yes, communities yes, yes, with yes, no yes. access to other parts of the region. As part of its regional tour of the affected areas to assess local authorities, Authorities conduct aftermath assessment. The regional minister Idana Zakaria visited the Chirponi district, one of the districts hard hit by the floods. Here, the flooding has worsened the already bad state of the road network and the poor living condition of the people, as road bridges, farmlands, as well as food crops have been flooded and washed away. At Tikinga, where a bridge linking the Cherponi and Yunyo district was collapsed, a member of parliament, Tahidu Abdurazak, explained the state of damage caused by the torrential rains. Where we are specifically is known as Tiginga, which falls within the Cherponi constituency or Cherponi district. And across the Betan Bridge is Yunyo constituency. Ours here has been split once, but beyond Yunyo, I'm told, it's split about two, three, four times of the main road. Yesterday was one chicken market day. Bunkurugu people, you, you couldn't assess one chicken market due to this damage. But when we stand here and look at this way, we have communities along this side. We have uh, Laptangu, Nigeri, Patani, Babangani, uh, Saku, Pampali, uh, Saka, Pampali. Let's stay a while longer in the northeast region. We're joined on the line by John Alasan Kweku, who is Northeast Region's NADMO Regional Director. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you for your time here. How prepared are you to ensure that there is no other disaster or any deaths recorded as the Bagri Dam has been spilled? Well, uh, let me say good afternoon to you and then good afternoon to you across the country. And uh, thank you for the question. Uh, NADMO is uh, and uh, then position itself strategically to deal with any issue that will arise out of the public Even before which NADMO uh, has really engaged residents along the horizon we did some extensive education asking them to uh, move on higher ground to save uh, have themselves safe. And those who are coming along the uh, the white border, we engage with the most of our grace and uh, we give them some sensitization and the need to cultivate everybody so that by the time the adverters or the white workers would attend there, they would have harvested their first and left the field. 
better sell to our bank, uh, the expression we have been giving them at the as and when the and then uh, also ready to set the bank whenever they are hitting this letter. Uh, on the seventh the biggest speech, and uh, we realized that the water level at the water uh, started to rise. We found that the water is actually down. So we are also calling residents and living uh, around that uh, white water to be very cautious of their lives. Uh, you know, when it comes to that natural habitat of the earth, it also disturbs. So we are asked on the alert so that they will not be able to affect well, Mr. Kweku, are the residents responding to these um, calls to move to higher ground or safer grounds, I mean, as in, the, um, in, in, in anticipation of the water coming downstream? Well, uh, uh, about their own safety. And this is not the first time they are doing the school. It's been uh, an annual record. This is about living around the country. And so some of them are called, they are moving to Harbin. And uh, I was surprised to see everybody who will not like to uh, comply with the effort that uh, we are making. Because you are about, for instance, everybody in court. Some of them, we are certified that some of them are moving to Harbin. For that one, uh, I'm sure that. Well, are there contingency plans to ensure safety of lives and property? As for the contingency plan, we have always been there. As I said, the management has positioned itself specifically in the upper east, in the northeast, in the uh, northern region, and even in all the districts to handle uh, the situation. As for that, one, as for the management has put in the management in the And briefly before you go, I mean, um, following the floods earlier reported, you said that you weren't able to reach some communities uh, to give aid to the people stranded there. What's the latest on the on the situation? Well, uh, I guess you know, some of the communities are not, but others are now at the moment. And so, in that case, uh, we have missed the big items to help each other. And other donor companies are also coming in. This morning, I support from global community that they brought them to uh, support in the relief I have today uh thank you humanitarian we also brought them to the uh, we are working on quality to this uh affect uh, like I said there's been a lot coming brought to relief I can uh be there to the victim it is also a snap Put the from the pieces of the victims of the attack. But we are also assuming, and I am very optimistic that other than the medicine, the video of the administration will come out so that uh, uh, we are talking about normal life. So I can also use the media to uh, make an appeal to the government of the businessmen, big men, other.
Grateful for your time, Kweku Al Hassan is the Nadmo Director, Northeast Region. You're still watching. Join us today. We'll be right back with business. Hello, my name is Abeiku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bag. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still need chop better with Ecobank Mobile. No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving. <laughs> Welcome to the smart world of Ecobank. Download Ecobank Mobile from Google Play Store. All the apps store and discover the smart way to bank. EcoBank, the Pan-African bank. Daddy, daddy, this tank is big. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface like it. Mm-hmm, that's so true. I can see S. I-N-T-E-S Syntax That is so true, my daughter When it falls down, it will spoil That's not true But why? Whoa! Syntax was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana Syntax again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana Syntex gives you the biggest warranty, seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex Tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to the business segment on Join News Today with me, Pius Kojobaka. Interest rates surged on the money market to 31.08% as the government borrowing spree on the domestic market continued. According to results of Treasury bills auctioned by the Bank of Ghana, the government got 3.45 billion cities, um, but lower than the ambitious targeted amount of 3.96 billion cities. Here is more. 
The National Council for Curriculum and Assessment Approved Literacy and Numeracy Materials were handed over to the Education Directorate for distribution to schools. The Obwasi Municipal Director of Education says the book will complement efforts of the Directorate to improve the reading abilities of children in the municipality. George Alfred Cumson is director. Interest rates in Ghana rank the highest in middle-income countries in Africa. The rate, however, lower than the inflation of 43%, indicating that the real rate of return on investment is negative. According to data from the Bank of Ghana, the yield on the 91-day bill increased by 0.61% to 26.70%. That of the 182-day bill reached 27.88% from 27.59% the previous week. The one-year bill inched up by 0.39% to 31.08%. Meanwhile, demand for the 182-day bill for the first time in several years exceeded the 91-day bill. Investors tended 1.69 billion cities for the six-month bill. All the bids were accepted. Investors also offered 1.63 billion cities for the 91-day bill in which all the bids were accepted. Anglo Gold Ashanti has partnered with Yotum Fosse to the second foundation to invest in the reading culture of children in public basic schools. 30,000 books worth 1.3 million cities were distributed to pupils in Obwasi Municipal and Obwasi East Districts to improve reading skills. There is more in this report. National Council for Curriculum and Assessment Approved Literacy and Numeracy Materials were handed over to the Education Directorate for distribution to schools. The Obwasi Municipal Director of Education says the book will complement efforts of the Directorate to improve the reading abilities of children in the municipality. George Alfred Cumson is Director of Education Obwasi Municipal. Uh, about two months ago, we had a training workshop on differentiated learning for the early grade teachers, that is from kindergarten to basic three. And after the workshop, we put in a request that we'd be very grateful if they supply us with books which we'll use to teach their children. And here we are, they've brought the English, that's the literacy, and then the Ghana language books for the learners. Prior to the distribution of books, AGA had trained 525 teachers at the preschool level to effectively teach children. Social Development and Gender Superintendent Mavis Nanayache noted the initiative will strengthen the foundation of the education system in its operational areas. And that's it for business. I am Pius Kojo Bakadara will be here at 1 p.m. with the Marketplace. Vitamins? Yes, 12 essential vitamins that growing bodies need. So grow healthy and strong. And smart. Absolutely. Kidivite Multivitamin Tonic contains all the essential vitamins and nutrients needed for the healthy development of children from age 1 to 12 years. Also available, Kidivite Multivitamin Drops for babies under 12 months. Grow strong, grow healthy with Kidivite. 
distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Everybody came out, everybody's looking good, displaying their art, beautiful art everywhere. Um, this is my fifth year coming in a row. So I'm here every August for the festival. It's been amazing being with my black people all day, every day. It's been great. It's not fun yet. There are a lot of art things to do. So I personally love it. And I love the artworks. I love Chalorote 2022. It's fantastic. This year's experience is, uh, is marvelous. It's amazing. It's Charlotte Festival. You ought to be here. The painting, the people, the Ghanaians were awesome. Everyone, when you're in Ghana, around the same time, make sure you check it out. It's really happening. Let's do sports now. Join us today with me, Muftar Nabila Abla, Ghana's national record. Uh, long jump athlete Deborah Aqua says that jumping 6.50 at the ongoing World Athletics Championships was expected because she's been injured since the World Athletics Championship in uh, Oregon last year. According to her, Ghanaians or the country Ghana had promised to support her, but unfortunately, she was let down as the support never came. I think my performance, even though it wasn't expected, I was expecting it. Like, not to say that I wasn't, like, I wasn't prepared to do whatever that happened, you know, yesterday. But um, looking at um, the whole of last year, coming into this year with this whole injury, no help coming from anybody, you know, like, it was, it was very challenging because... I ended up having to take care of my own self, spending money on this same injury, and then still not, you know, seeing any um, improvement. So I decided not to. I decided to call it a quit. Like I decided to um, to not come to the World Champs because it got to a point where um, my, it was both my Achilles. So. Um, I had to talk with my coach, and then he was like, um, he think I should, you know, get the season over it. Now, let's uh, take a report from my colleague, Fenchi Utahiruta, who has uh, watched all the events so far in the competition and gives us a wrap of what transpired on day two. The 100-meter event was billed to be the Fred Kelly versus Noah Lyles show. But after the defending champions surprisingly failed to make the final, history beckoned for the winner and for the two Africans in the race, Kenya's Ferdinand Obanyala and Botswana's Lechile Tibogo, a podium place in itself was history. It was a challenge duly accepted by the 200-meter specialist Tibogo, who stormed to a silver medal place with a new national record of 9.88 seconds. 
consequently becoming the first African to win a 100-meter medal at the World Championships. Um, it really shows that the continent has a lot of potential, you know, looking at the likes of Ferdinand and Akani. For me, I, would re I really wanted them to have this medal before me, but by the grace of God, I got it first. And um, so that I can come up knowing that, no, I have two African brothers who got this medal and they really motivate me going forward. Great Britain's Arnold Hughes finished third behind him. Jamaica's Oblique Seville came through in fourth. The pair also finishing with the same time as the African, who just urged it by one thousandth of a second. That's your sports for now. We do have more sports stories on myjoyonline.com and also at 2 p.m. when we come your way with sports today. We appreciate your time. fearless journalism. That is what we stand for. Duty bearers and citizens know that they'll be asked the hard questions to bring out the truth. That is what we expect of us. It is this commitment to tell truth to power that sets us apart because we will hold the feet of leadership to the heat of accountability. My name is Evans Mensen and this is Joy News. Fearless, independent and credible. Welcome back. Let's do some world news now. Niger's coup leader has promised to return the West African nation to civilian rule within three years. General Abdurrahman Chiani made the announcement after meeting mediators from the West African regional bloc ECOWAS in the capital, Niamey. ECOWAS has threatened military action to reverse last month's overthrow of President Mohamed Bassoum if talks fail. The junta head said that Niger did not want a war but will defend itself against any foreign intervention. Thousands of men came to a stadium in Niamey on Saturday to register for a volunteer force in case of invasion. Although overcrowding prevented the registration process from starting, the Reuters news agency has reported. Now, original efforts to reverse the coup have been backed by the U.S. and France, which both have military bases in Niger. These bases are part of efforts to tackle jihadist groups in the wider Sahel region. The gentle leader who headed the presidential guard before seizing power on 26 July said military intervention could worsen the Islamist insurgencies linked to Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State group. Our next is Showbiz with Becky. Everyone has a story. In fact, there was a time I decided I have to stop the music. 
a story of that unique place that gives them a vibe. It's a spiritual moment for me whenever I have to record music because whenever the place is dark, I feel I'm in the studio alone, even without the producer. vibe that births excellence, special skills, talent, and mastery. Welcome to... Good afternoon. Welcome to Showbiz here on Joy News. In our beginning, uh, in 2011, the Chaliwate Street Arts Festival has thrilled fans across the globe, particularly Ghanaians. The event has evolved to bring together thousands of people from all walks of life to experience the uniqueness of Ghanaian art and culture. It's time to get yet another experience uh, with exciting time as we kickstart this year's edition in style here is a detailed lineup of events. Monday, 3 p.m., um, we open with an all-white procession from the Osu Castle into the Osu community okay. through the Black Star Square and back to... All-white? All-white. Any reason for that? It's, uh, it's called the Day of Remembering. What you are know? we remembering? Uh, we're remembering the departed... Okay. Um, we're also remembering ourselves as in who we are as people. Um, and also, it's also a celebration okay. of everything that we've done over the last um, 13 cycles. Um, there'll be performances uh, in the castle, uh, the opening exhibition for Chalawate um, by a really talented Ghanaian um, called, uh, art collective called Afwabe. Mm. The name of the exhibition is This Is Not Make Believe. That's going to be at the inside the Castle Gardens on Monday. It opens on Monday throughout the week until the 27th. And then from, um, from the 22nd, from Tuesday to Friday, we have the film labs and film salons. We are screening films from all over the world, um, but particularly um, from the continent and um, you know, directors of African descent. We have films from the Caribbean, Guyana, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and, you know, when you see these films, you see how, how connected we are to these people, how similar our cultures are. Um, one of the films um, is about um, stilt walkers, you know, the stilt walking culture in Trinidad and Tobago. And we have that here, you know, from Winnebar all the way into Western mm -hmm. region. Basically, if you take out the language they're speaking, they're talking about us. You know, so this, I mean, this is an opportunity for us to also engage the Caribbean. I'm more interested in us connecting with other uh, folks of African descent in the Caribbean, in South America, in Latin America. There's, um, those people are much closer to us. Meanwhile, Mancha, organizer of the event, has asked that creatives pay critical attention to archiving and keeping records of our history and traditions. We need to take history more importantly. And we, we need to pay attention to our own history. Because we've had 
you know, this renaissance that we're experiencing, you know, post-independence Ghana was like that. You know, 60s into the 70s, even the 80s, you know, even during the revolution, people were still actively, you know, producing arts. Uh, cultural engineers were still around, you know. But there is also no memory. There's no institutional memory. It's almost non-existent. So even when things are documented, we don't go back to it. So sometimes you speak to young people and... I feel like they say what they know sort of starts from when they become conscious, you know. So there isn't an awareness of the past, you know. The past is, like, consistently erased, Mm -hmm. you know. So people have nothing to point to or have no reference point. And and sometimes, you know, something happens. They say it was the first time in Ghana. And I'm like, no, this happened, like, 30 years ago. You can't claim first time. Also, these people, and they are very definite that this is the first time it's happening. You know? So it's like, are you... I don't know. Like, you can't just wake up and say things and be so sure that it's never happened in this country before. There's more on Charlie Wate in our subsequent bulletins. That'll be all for sure this year on Join Us today. Good afternoon to you, Mamisi. Good afternoon, Becky, and she'll be there at Chaliwate this afternoon. It's starting at 3 p.m. Becky, you'll be there, right? Of course, of course. Okay, and that's it for the bulletin here on Joy News Today. We brought you sports as well and business. There's more news on myjoyonline.com.